Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And uh, today we have some superstars joining us. We've actually got a two-for-one special. The hosts of the Liquid Lunch Podcast are joining me. I have got Matt, uh, the man, Meehan, and this is a mouthful, so excuse me. I've got Luigi Rosa Bianca, better known as The Professor. Is that right, Luigi? Brilliant. Perfect. Guys, welcome to the show, guys. I'm super stoked to have you on here. Welcome. Thanks for having us. The honor's all ours, surgeon. (laughs) Yeah, we got the surgeon, the professor, and the man. So uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, hour or so with you guys. And uh, I've been looking forward to this one. We tried to get it on the schedule, and getting three of us uh, together at once has been a little bit trickier. Um, I'm going to defer to Matt first. Um, You own uh, the Shield Advisory Group, and uh, you host the Liquid Lunch uh, podcast. Just give us a quick thousand foot overview over who you are and what it is you do, mate. So Sam, first of all, thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. Um, Shield Advisory Group is a small business consulting company that focuses on giving our clients access to credit and capital alongside giving them all the same tools and resources that larger corporations have. Um, I spent 17 years on Wall Street. I own my own investment bank. Transitioning into working with small businesses, I realized they lacked a lot of resources out there that came second nature to me and Luigi, and we could help provide them with these services, you know, and it'll help them see all their businesses a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And, and do you find that the, that's more of ignorance uh, on the small business owner on a part, maybe just not being exposed to that information? I don't know if I'd call it ignorance, right? Usually when somebody starts out a business, it's because they're really good in their craft, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't want to yeah. work for anybody else anymore. And sure, the truth yeah. of the matter is, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, the candlestick maker goes and he makes candlesticks, but mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to do the finances of the business or keep the books properly. The yeah. auto mechanic goes and sets up a repair shop. But at the end of the day, when it comes to hiring, or having a timeline and systems and processes in place, that's where they tend to struggle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, lack of uh, lack of knowledge of the uh, of the specifics there. So what is it you actually do um, in the day to day? So the day to day business is a lot of our clients tend to come to us for some type of funding. We directly lend to them, or we have about sixty institutional relationships we work with in order to get them access to capital. But the truth of the matter is. A lot of these smaller business owners are just throwing money at their problems with no game plan out there at all. Mm -hmm. Essentially, they have a leaky bucket. And the way they're filling this leaky bucket is instead of patching it, what they're doing is they keep filling it with water and the money's going out the window. So essentially, we start out with lending and then we really lift the hood. We request audited financials. Audited financials for a small business would be, you know, tax returns, balance uh, balance sheets, profit and loss statements. Mm-hmm. And once we ask those questions, we immediately know what type right. of business we're running or if they just have a hobby. <laughs> it's funny you use the bucket analogy because that's what my little brother told me years and years ago. He's like, every time you buy something and you have to pay for it monthly, he's like, it's another hole in your bucket and you got to pour more water in the top for that bucket to work right, you know? Yeah, that's it. Interesting analogy there. Do you find that well, Sam? Com- that's how yeah. that's how we start the conversation with the potential borrowers and small business owners. We ask them directly, 
if you had this money and we got you a loan, what would you use it for? Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised how scattered that answer is. So lending for the sake of lending serves no utility. But Very if true. Yeah. Your capital, and there's a strategic pur- purpose. I'm going to scale and that will increase my revenue. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. a fleet of trucks. So I will acquire a few more trucks and that will allow me to scale. Okay. So there's always a, there's got to be a method to the madness as opposed to just lending yourself into a solution. That never works. All that does is get you further in debt. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of the fact that um, it's very difficult to out-earn bad spending habits. And if you're in bad habits already, the last thing you need to do is take a loan. So do you guys actually go through and help business owners actually do that audit and look at where their expenses are going while you're going through the loan process with them? Every single day, right? Every single day. Because before I can recommend, not, not all lending products are equal, right? Mm-hmm. So before I can recommend a loan or a lending product to fit their need, we have to reverse engineer and see where the money's going before we can actually recommend the right product or service that may help out the business. I totally understand, man. So from from your unique perspective, guys, where do you see small business owners making the biggest mistakes with their finances? Who? That's, that's a loaded question, man. I'm sorry. That <laughs> we're not even well, 10 minutes in the interview yet. <laughs> honestly, the there's one there's one in there's one indicia that comes up over and over again and it gets overlooked. And it's it's a bit of a misnomer because we think that there is such an industry as small business lending out there. Mm-hmm. And it's a misnomer because if you're a small business owner, that small business loan will always lean on your personal credit profile. So one of the things that we see neglected quite often is a small business principal not nurturing his personal credit score. Mm. You know, there's a lot of these gurus out here that say, let's build business credit. Let's build this. This way you can get loans not attached to your social security number, right? So people go out there, they destroy their personal credit. They think they're going to, you know, pay this $5,000 program, learn how to build business credit. And all of a sudden, they forget about their personal credit score. Mm -hmm. And they think eventually they'll be able to get loans just with their business credit. But I got news for you. Unless you're Google or Amazon, nobody's giving you a loan in the small business realm without a personal guarantee. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. Right. And the reason for this is it's extremely risky, right? Mm-hmm. In the first two years, many businesses fail. Small businesses around after 10 years are really considered dinosaurs. They're not small businesses because either you put yourself out of business by number one mistake that you asked before is business owners don't know their numbers, mm-hmm. right? We break it down for them. We want to know exactly how much it costs them to walk in their office and turn their lights on every single day. We see businesses doing $10 million a year, but they're losing 11.2. So what's the point of being What's the point? Yeah. Like, shit, I, I, would, I would cry when I look at the numbers of what it costs me to actually come to work every day. Shit, this, this is not inexpensive uh, to do. And knowing those numbers is critical. Man, I know to within I know to within about a thousand dollars exactly what I got to have coming in every single month, just for us to stand still. Like, and exactly. if, I I don't know how you like, man. I consult small business owners day in day out, and and the the it, it is, 
I, I don't need to be offended by the word, Matt, but it is ignorance. And a lot of times it's willful ignorance. It's like, I don't want to look at those numbers because they're uncomfortable and they make me uncomfortable to look at because they tell a cold, hard truth. You think that? 100%. You know, <laughs> men lie, women lie, the numbers usually don't lie. Sometimes we <laughs> do, but we'll get into that later. But, um, you know, I mean, it's a lot easier for people to avoid the situation, mm -hmm. right? They come to us and they say, I have this problem. So they're throwing money and trying to treat the symptom rather than, you know, get rid of the disease entirely. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, can, I completely, completely agree. Um, yeah, what's, what do you think is the most critical piece of advice you could give somebody looking to get uh, a small business loan and get some additional funding for their, uh, for their operation? First of all, set up your business properly, right? You know, if you're doing over a couple thousand dollars a month and you want business lending, make sure you take a look at the three C's we call them, which is cash flow, credit, and collateral. At the end of the day, those three C's are how you're gonna get a loan. But more importantly, let's take a step back. Before you open your business, sit down with a qualified advisor, open up the right entity that's right for your business, set up business bank accounts. Sam, I don't have to tell you how many people send us bank statements and they're commingling their funds. Their business money is going into their personal accounts and they're wondering why they can't get a business loan, mm -hmm. right? Even sole proprietorships, I would stay away from. Go to an LLC, go to an S Corp, go to a C Corp, but speak with a qualified accountant, tax professional that can tell you what's gonna be more beneficial for you and your business. Not only that, not only you be able to get money lent to you to grow and scale, but what'll happen is you're gonna get taxed out your ass. Yeah, that's right? the truth, yeah. You don't Jesus. have the write-offs that are afforded to entities. It's mm -hmm. just an old simple truth. Yeah, yeah, so like, Man, I got to think of what to ask next. This is just like a, a, a smorgasbord of information about. Well, let me throw something out. I'll something <laughs> real quick. So, right. a, a lot of people out there start a salesman, right? Yeah. They're selling their 1099, they're working for a company. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, that company is paying them 1099, but they're depositing it in their personal business account, in their personal bank account, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They should actually be going up, setting up an LLC, yeah. having the company pay the LLC and then paying themselves a W-2 from that LLC. Mm -hmm. That's why they've created an entity. There's cash flow going through it and they become lendable moving forward. Even if they move to a different sales position, they can mm -hmm. create time and business for that LLC. Man, I got so, so lucky um, when that happened to me. So my first job in, uh, in the legal industry, my first legal job, I was working for an oil and gas company. We were 1099 contractors. And the guy in charge encouraged all of us to go to the accountants and to go set up uh, LLCs. And I actually set up an association. It was, I think, tax like an S-Corp. Um, but the guy in charge of the, the crew walked us through all that and helped us to get lined out because in the past, he'd not done it to people and they'd been putting that 1099 income and slipping it straight into their checking accounts and dealing with it at the end of the year. And it just, it was a, in just a complete disaster. So the having a mentor that helped me set up and guide me through building that first LLC and paying a fucking accountant to do the payroll and to give me like I didn't I, I salaried myself twenty four thousand a year because it was the lowest they'd let me salary two thousand a month. But having somebody do all that paperwork and do all that payroll and take everything off my plate lowered my taxes by tens of thousands of dollars. It was it was amazing. 
Um, Absolutely. Let me, let me preface this by saying I am not an accountant. No, I, me neither. <laughs> yeah. We've done, and what I've done and what I've taught my 1099 employees to do in the past, mm -hmm. right, is if you're taking that paycheck and the company's paying you directly into your personal account, that's all income. Mm -hmm. Income is taxed at a higher bracket, right? So all your gas, all your leads, all your travel expenses are now being taxed as personal income. Whereas if you own the LLC, if it's used for business expenses, that automatically deducts the amount of personal income that you're going to receive at the end of the year, thereby lowering your tax bracket. The, the way I heard it put once was, um, you know, people go out and, and they work and they pay taxes and they keep what's left uh, for their expenses. And businesses that are set up right, they work, they pay all their expenses, and whatever's left is what they pay taxes out of. I mean, is that, that the that the simplest way to look at it? It is. <laughs> Without getting you in legal trouble. It is. <laughs> I, I see I that look that, on your face. It means there's like 17 answers to that question. And Luigi's just laughing at me now. <laughs> I've heard well, that Sam, you know what it is? There's, there's always that Goldilocks zone with, with everything. You know, I had an old accountant once that used to tell me, whatever you do must survive the smell test. If it doesn't smell right, don't do it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. like anything in life, you know, government is best when it's small. You know, they should keep their eyes out of our bedroom and their hands out of our pocket. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, we understand that we need to keep the red lights working and the mail. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And so, so there's got to be a reasonableness standard with every, everything we do in life. But think, think about these protocols that we've just discussed, okay? If we do them all, we suddenly have access to reasonable capital. Mm -hmm. If we don't respect these protocols, we have access to capital, albeit at a higher rate. Now we know what margins are in businesses, right? right, if, you've right. Got a food, if you've got a food and beverage business, your margins are 10%. Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're a general contractor, your margins are 20, 25%. You're a service provider, you know, and you run a lean shop, maybe a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So the difference between let's say a seven to 10% small business loan or a 25% small business loan literally is the difference between servicing a debt on a profitable company versus servicing a debt on a break even. And, and really, did we wake up in the morning and set up our own shop to break even? Mm -mm. So no, like these no. little things that we say, oh, we, they don't do them out of ignorance. This day and age, there's no such thing as a bad meal. We could all watch YouTube and learn how to make a good plate of pasta, right? That, so we that's how I learned. That's how I learned to cook, man. That's how I learned to cook watching Gordon Ramsay on YouTube. Well, how, else, how else would a Brit learn to cook? <laughs> Ouch! All right, all right. We'll, we'll put that one aside. <laughs> but yeah, Gordon Ramsay on like you can learn anything on the internet. Like I just I just wanted to make good food, and so I I I looked it up. But why why wouldn't you use YouTube? You know. Well, listen, there's one thing to learn how to cook food from the internet. There's another thing when you go to a five-star restaurant and the oh, chef cooks it for you. Yes, I guarantee it tastes a little bit different. That one so little ingredient that he adds that wasn't in that YouTube video yeah. makes a world of difference. And the same thing comes to businesses and accounting firms, right? And doing your taxes yourself or having a professional do it, right? Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, you don't know what you don't know. This is why large corporations have finance teams and committees in place because they have the wherewithal to have people out there scouting and reading through the tax code mm -hmm. to find loopholes that are very legal that 
they could use to pay less money in taxes. Everybody loves the headlines when they see so all these clickbait headlines. Amazon pays $0 in taxes. Well, essentially, they didn't pay $0. What they did was they utilized mm-hmm. federal tax programs and incentives on the state side and the federal side that allowed them to get tax credits to offset the money in taxes they would have needed to pay. Now, is that illegal? No, it's legal. Is it wrong? I don't think so. I think it's sophisticated. And I think small business owners need to understand these tax credits that are available to them as well. I mean, it's it's a game. And the more money you can pay to learn the rules and to play it, the more effectively you can. Um, like, I, I do so much better now that I have a good understanding of a lot of things. But I hire experts in every area that I need them. I just, you pay the money, you get the expert, and the results, the results speak for themselves, man. Totally agree with you. You know, it's it's so hard interviewing two people because I never know which one's going to answer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We got a couple tricks we use on our podcast, the Liquid Lunch Project. You know, Um, I don't know if this is going to be out on video or audio, but you'll always see me go like this or Luigi go like this. Oh, it'll be, yeah. A listener beforehand, just so we don't speak over each other. If you see me raise my hand, just finish your thought. I'm going to go with the question or Luigi's going to go with the next one. There's a little insider information for y'all. Oh, I love that. That might make it a little bit easier. Yeah, we do. Uh, this goes out audio and video. Um, yeah, so, uh, man, I want to pivot for just a little bit and and talk a little more small business stuff and talk about the background of you and Luigi. Um, I know you had some time on Wall Street, Matt, quite a significant amount of time. Luigi, I know very little about you, um, so I'm going to put it on you, Luigi. Give, give us a little bit of your background, and then maybe Matt can tell the story of how you guys came together to, uh, to work together and to help small business owners and have that Liquid Lunch podcast, which I hear is doing very, very well right now. So, Luigi... Off you go. Tell us just a little bit about you and uh, how you and Matt got hooked up. So Matt and I have known each other for years, and I think there was just a mutual affectation. You know, we were fond mm-hmm. of each other. We've gone out for drinks, and you know, we we, we were both uh, native New Yorkers, so we traveled in the same circle. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of one of those things where I think we were destined to do business together one day. It just took us probably twenty years to get there. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we we took we took different routes. I I um I was the first born of a immigrant family, you know, so forced to overachieve. Yeah. Whether or not I deserve to overachieve, I was forced into it, right? You got to go to school, you got to be a good boy, you got to get your straight A's, went to law school, did the law school route, right? And uh, I'm proud to say I was one of those uh, attorneys that learned the merits of the law, Mm -hmm. um, but is not practicing law. And, And I, and I, and I value the education I received, but I also have no desire to ever practice law. It's just, um, you know, it's just something that doesn't appeal to me. Uh, you know, I, I think Matt and I are a little bit more entrepreneurial and bent. So um, mm. Matt's now in Orlando. I'm still in New York. You know, my wife's got very deep local tentacles with the Italian <laughs> family. Yeah, yeah, so, I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, so we, we have to respect uh, our roots. But um, I think what Matt and I did is over the last 20 years, we went really out of our way to make as many mistakes as possible. And we tried really hard and we made a ton of mistakes. But through those mistakes, I think we were you know, battered, probably have a couple of scars to show for it. But now we have this very unique skill set 
because we've had a lot of successes, but those successes were results of tremendous failures, tremendous failures. Um, would, so would, now Matt, would, and I, Matt would, and I don't make any mistakes anymore. Would you feel comfortable sharing some of those, uh, or maybe one of those failures, one that stuck out that really taught you a lesson? It's all right, dude. I, I mean, I, I yeah. Crashed. On a scale, on a on a scale of zero to ten, you want a five or a ten? Give give us a ten, dude. I've crashed. I've crashed a seven figure business. All right, I'm gonna give you, like, I'm gonna, you know, you're in good I'm company. Give, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a ten. So okay. I was a bad boy, and I did what Matt said earlier. I commingled some funds on a business transaction, and I got caught with my hand in the cookie jar. Mm-hmm. So some people didn't. Um, take a liking to it, especially the district attorney of New York. Mm-hmm. And I ended up serving two and a half years in jail. Oh, wow. But you, know, you take a guy like me, you know, downtown or city slicker, and you throw him, you know, 10 years in Rikers, 10 months in Rikers Island, and the rest of the time upstate New York, that was an extremely humbling process. So you can yeah. either, you know, you can either cash in your chips and say, okay, I'm done. Or you start to rebuild, and how do you rebuild? Well, I guess great humility, mm-hmm. and you have like these tiny little building blocks, and the building blocks are to fill every minute of your day with value and meaning, right? So, you know, I'd have this challenge where I'd read uh, a book a week. Mm-hmm. You know, you you volunteer for um, outdoor duty, which is you know I was white collar crime, so you get outdoor duty. So you're shoveling in the winter and you're landscaping in the summer. Right. right. Um, you know, you're working in the mess hall and just to try to keep busy. And then I came across, and I think oddly enough, this is where my professor title came came up because um, somehow somebody in, in in the corrections spot figured that you know I had a doctorate degree, so they put me in the GED program. And I got a great deal of reward helping these kids um, get their GEDs. And um, then when I came home, that was another humbling experience, right? Because you're you're suddenly persona non grata. Oh yeah. You, know, you, you realize you went, that you went to jail. You're you're the, the black yeah, sheep. Yeah. Persona, persona non grata. You know, yeah. I, I could I, I could count the the people on, on one hand that opened their doors to me. Matt being one of them. So the humbling thing was, and this is something that is really difficult to appreciate, your clock stops when you go in mm. and it doesn't start for two and a half years later. And everyone so else moved forward. Right? Everyone has advanced. Oh, wow. you, know, you, yeah. you, haven't, you haven't watched the World Cup. You haven't watched, <laughs> uh, you, you don't know the cool restaurants. You have no idea how you're going to earn a living and you rebuild one day at a time. So I, I, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, intelligent enough to appreciate that I made a mistake and I was contrite and I made amends and I'm a better person today than I was back then. Um, Sam, it's really difficult to actually say this, but it was a valuable learning lesson for me because I am a much better person today than I am back then. Not to say I wasn't a good person, but the amount of humility it brings into your life is is awesome you couldn't become the person you are now without going through those challenges that you went through back then man. i mean that's it's part yeah, look, of I'll it's give, part I'll of the you, growth i'll give you yeah look I'll, I'll give you a perfect example okay you know we have this terrible terrible epidemic when it comes to drug abuse in this country mm-hmm. but when you see it on the other side and how all these lives are ruined and mm-hmm. how such 
a huge population of the incarcerated young men in America are there just because they're, they're addicted. And it's, it's sad to see because these are, these are humans mm-hmm. that will never get a chance. Um, so it's, it's just one of those things where it's a learning curve. And oddly enough, I, I was appreciative of the experience, but I got to tell you, it's like nitroglycerin in my bloodstream because it does inspire me every day to excel. I bet it does, man. I bet it really gives you a, a, a great, a great grounding of what life could be if it went wrong, man. I mean, yeah. So, so imagine this: imagine eating slop for two and a half years. Every meal you have after that is precious. I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I've not been to prison. Um, I spent a night in jail. I know what the food's like. Um, and no, I, w- I wouldn't like that at all. It must have been an absolute culture shock for you to adjust to. Sam, you wanted a 10. You got it. No, Ooh, I, I, I think you just shocked him. His jaw's on the floor. He wasn't expecting that one. No, straight up, because like I know you now. I know you, you now. I know the Luigi that I see on the internet. I know the Luigi from the podcast. Right. So for me to, to for you to come open up and say, well, hey, this was me back in the day. Um, that's that's amazing for you to do that. And I would not want to be judged. Right. I'm, I'm coming up five years sober right now and I've done some incredibly stupid shit as an alcoholic. I would not want to be judged uh, on me from five years ago or me from 10 years ago at all, because I'm a completely well, Sam, different you know person. Ha- you know, you know what happens? That I, and I've learned this through experience. Right. Um, that's why I don't like plastic surgery. Because I think, you know, the crow's feet and the wrinkles and the scars, the shows, the, the trials and tribulations of life, you know, it's who we are. But, you know, the, the one thing that impresses me is when someone judges another. You know, we're, we're all humanly imperfect. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all children of God. But what I've learned is that when a person goes out of his way to judge another, it tells me more about the judge than it does about the person of whom is being whom is being judged yeah absolutely um it's funny you mentioned that because we were talking yesterday uh, i was talking yesterday in an interview about when somebody takes a job applicant uh, for a, a final interview, they take them out to lunch and they let them order and they, they would purposely make sure that their order came out a little bit messed up. And they wanted to see the reaction of how somebody treated someone in a lower social setting than them. And dude, I think I think that's the greatest trick ever, man. I point at one of you for an answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty incredible. I've heard I've heard of a few companies doing that. I, I might know somebody who actually does that. He's he's down there in the low, lower portion of the screen. Oh, he does that too. <laughs> guilty, guilty, <laughs> guilty as charged. Man, I did not know that. <laughs> it's probably one guy. It's probably Luigi started doing it, and everyone's like, "Shit, that's well, a really Sam, good you know, idea." Here's 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 the point of that. Right at the end of the day, all of life is sales. Yeah. When I met my my wife. You know, and I'm I'm selling myself, right? Mm-hmm. When we mm-hmm. speak with clients, we're selling ourselves. You know, when, when we're interacting at the local grocery store, you know, everything in life is is, is a sales pitch. So to watch a future representative of your company mm-hmm. in action, how he interacts with the public, I think that is an indication of what you have in store. Oh, you, you know, it's one thing. So right. It, it's Sorry, one God. thing to get to know somebody. 
in an interview, they're on their best behavior, mm-hmm. right? So you have a second interview, you have a third interview, right? We usually start with a telephone interview, see where it goes from there, right? Then they come in one time, second time, you know, they come into the office again. The third time, we like to get them out of the office environment, right? Mm-hmm. And take them a walk and see how they interact with the public and what they do and what their mannerisms are. When they feel a little bit more relaxed, they don't have to be on their best behavior. You yeah. know, that, that is one thing we're big believers of. Yeah, I, I love that because it, it gives them an opportunity to relax around you and it gives you the opportunity to see like the real employee that you're hiring. Because, you know, a lot of times the, the shine doesn't wear off for the first month. And then after that first month, you're like, wow, that probably wasn't the best fit. <laughs> Man, it's, it's like dating, right? You know, yeah. when, when do you really truly get there with somebody? When is that point, right? I believe it's, you know, six, 12, 18 months in, right? Where they let down their guard and really show you, show you their true self. I'm going to employ you what's going to wind up happening. It's going to be the way they perform in the office, right? Yeah. Everybody comes in, yeah, I can do this. I'll do whatever it takes. Five weeks in, Kelly really today, you know, it just, just doesn't work. It's like me every time I go to the gym. <laughs> well, having said that, having said that, if you have a system where your operations are seamless and your support structures are solid mm-hmm. and you can nurture, you can make a very average salesman superlative just because you're giving him all the tools to succeed. Yes, I completely agree, man. We 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 train, we train on sales and we train on all kinds of shit. Uh, I, some of the best time I've spent over the last eight months has been building systems for the business. And I cannot train core values. I can't train somebody's heart. I can't train somebody's soul. And we hire on core values. And we can train sales all day because of those systems, man. Having systems has just been the, the best thing I've done in business. I mean, it's, you know, it's just incredible. When, when I grew my investment bank, we started out with the four founders. And we grew it to 80 registered reps, which means we probably had to hire close to 800 people because only, you know, one out of 10 stick. Yeah. So yeah. we got a pass series seven and, you know, cold calling is brutal and that's the way they did it. However, once they got to a certain level, we really didn't care about their hours. We cared about their performance. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. But however, most of our, most of our, you know, registered reps were pretty, pretty, um, pretty open to asking if they could leave. Right. I would mm-hmm. never say no. My question to them would be, if that's all you got in you today, Matt, I opened five accounts, going to leave. If that's all you have in you today. Mm-hmm. And you know, the top performers always stuck around, opened one more account, raised a little bit more money, and then left. You know? Well, that's, that's because everything that you want is on the other side of the shit you don't want to do. Like, and if I've, if I've made four sales that day, then I'm done. And realistically, if I want that vacation and that nice car, maybe I need to be making five sales a day. Maybe I need to be making six sales a day. But everything you've ever wanted as a salesman is on the other side of calling those damn leads and making sure you follow up. So that said, uh, Luigi, uh, what do you think the most like critical personality trait for somebody entering your industry is? Persistence. I love persistence, that. And, and I think because any any time you're in business in this wonderful United States of America, shit is going to happen. Look at the last 20 years. We've had two recessions, a terrorist attack, a pandemic, 
a pandemic exacerbated by questionable legislative intent, mm-hmm. um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not counting personal issues like health, family, deaths, divorces. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that persistence, I don't even think it's worth starting. Dude, that was powerful, man. I, and I, I've got to agree with you. Like, it's persistence pays. Um, this shit does not get any easier. It's going to happen every day. Like you said, a recession, like right now, the, the, I mean, I can say this without being alarming, but hyperinflation, stuff that we've got to work our way around, the, the values of things changing and the price of labor changing. It doesn't get any easier. You just get better at it. You get better at managing the problems with that consistency and with that persistence. But it's also flipping the, the coin, right? Because with this hyperinflation and the prospect of possibly a recession, mm-hmm. there's also opportunities. Oh, God, now, yeah. I don't, know what, I don't know what industry the listener may be in, but whatever industry you, you're in, you have to find those opportunities in these turmoils because, it, it, like everything else, it'll be cyclical and we'll come yeah, out. Like I, let's, let's, use, uh, let's use Airbnb as an example, right? Legacy hotels are hurting legacy hotels are going to be starting to go away they're feeling pain but at the same time we all have friends that are making thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars with airbnbs you can but why watch. are they hurting sam they're hurting because they saw air airbnb happen and when you get so big you're like an aircraft carrier mm-hmm. it takes you two hours to turn yep but airbnb at the time was a speedboat and they just turned on a pivot off so that's the problem is when you get too big for your own breaches, mm-hmm. it slows you down. But but the guys that are entrepreneurs, even though it looks really, really scary right now, um, there's never been this much opportunity coming down the pipe in this country as as legacies start to crumble, as the big companies start to go away. There's so much opportunity for the smaller guys. I can't help but be excited about it. Even if even if a recession does come, like it's business owners that are going to lead us out of the damn recession it's a matter of when a recession's coming it's coming yeah oh yeah 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 um we we don't have a really good tax code look our look i'll be honest with you i think the administration's not doing its job right Mm -hmm. we knew about inflation a year ago okay jack dorsey everybody knows him from twitter However, what they don't realize is he also ran a company called Square, which is one of the biggest credit card processors in the country, mm-hmm. came out and he said, I think we see hyperinflation. Why can he say this? Because he sees the prices of everything going up because they control the data, right? Mm-hmm. He sounded the alarms. Nobody wanted to listen. They blew him off. Every time I see the, the, the inflation numbers come out, it's a joke because the number that they put out yesterday, what was it? 8.5%? Double that, right? Oh, easily. Easily. Because remember, the price of fuel and food's not in there. And I can tell you just alone from going to the grocery store ourselves with my family, food food prices are up between 15 to 25%. Easily, dude. I, it shocks me every time I go to the, the grocery shop. Like I'm like, how in the world am I spending $300? Like, you just, there it is. Yep. Sam, let me give you a, an indicator that we see happening almost on a daily basis okay mm-hmm. and i think this could be a little bit of a, a tidbit for all the small business owners that are listening there are a tremendous amount of small businesses in america that have been buoyed by ppp eidl um 
a sense of post-pandemic exuberance. But these businesses are flawed. Mm-hmm. Okay? You put money as a band-aid doesn't mean you're healing that cut or that scar. So I think you're going to have a tremendous amount of small to medium-sized American businesses failing over the next several quarters. Um, and I think a recession and hyperinflation is just going to exacerbate that. Now, where are the opportunities? Completely now, where are the opportunities, right? The opportunities are, you know, you pick up some competitors, you expand your geographic uh, range. Um, there are opportunities for small business owners that are run soundly. You know, the, the fastest way to double your business is to buy out a competitor. Correct, yeah. Competitor. I've heard now, that many times. Everything Luigi said is spot on point, inflation, recession. But when people are, what people aren't realizing is we're in a huge generational shift right now. Every baby boomer out there who just made it through the pandemic by the skin of their teeth, mm-hmm. they don't want to wait three years to get out of a recession and another four years to recover. immediately Mm -hmm. but the benefit to a lot of small business owners out there is they don't have any succession plan in place Mm -hmm. and they care about their people so there are going to be deals to be made where companies are going to fail but other companies are going to balloon up yeah it's going to seem like overnight it's going to happen very quickly Hmm. maybe i'll come to you guys for some business credit so i can start buying more businesses (laughs) i say this podcast becomes a small business hospital within a few months you know what, man, I love what I do. Um, I just, there's a staggering amount of people that are reaching out for help. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know how to help them all. Um, like, it, it, the barrier to entry for starting your own business has been so low um, that there are a lot of inexperienced people going to lose a lot of money. And I'm just over here trying to do something about that. You know, but um, I do. I don't want to be doom and gloom. But you, you guys are right. The the hyperinflation's there. It's significantly underreported, and um, it looks very much as though, you know, I think Texas is going to be okay. Um, we're seeing a, a significant amount of immigration to the state. Um, I don't think Texas is going to have a, a major, major recession. But I think the country as a whole is really going to struggle. Yeah, I, I think the southeast quadrant of the United States is going to do very well, right? Mm-hmm. You have the migration from New York, you have the migration from California to yeah. Texas, York to Florida, the Carolinas, right? Dude, I can't um, get real estate fast enough. I've got nothing to sell. Like, it's crazy. Like the demand for property here. I, mean, uh, I'm, I'm, I just bought an Airbnb. Funny that we said that. <laughs> it's doing really well, right? Um, I definitely paid top of the market prices for it, but I had to, and I, I did that purposely in January so I could keep my interest rate low. I mean, if you guys mm-hmm. seen the interest rates lately, what are we at, five and a quarter percent? Mm-hmm. They go, they, they're creeping up every, every time. And I, I don't see the, honestly, I don't see housing prices going down. No, especially not in these markets. Like you're you're going to find rural markets up north and isolated markets where they're going to completely get gutted. But the markets we're in, no. And people want to try and time the market. You just have to buy real estate when the time's right for you. You know, I think people just got to get comfortable with five to six to maybe even seven percent rates again. I mean, mm -hmm. look, I'm going to be 42, so I bought my first house 19 years ago, Mm -hmm. and the rate was seven percent, and I thought it was amazing. Right, everybody yeah. was telling me it was amazing at that time. Dude, I've and been then it went, went lower, right? Yeah. And then you refinanced. Like, and you refinanced. Yeah. I bought in two thousand and five. 
and my interest rate was 5.25 and everybody was like wow that's amazing and then in in 2008 uh, before it crashed in 2008 we refinanced to uh, to three percent like just now five six is going to be the norm but where's it going to stop where's those interest rates going to going to head up to or does, no. it, does it matter as long as you've, you've got some real estate at every rate that i have in all my properties is below three and a half right now mm-hmm. right so and and you have a lot of investors coming into the market because like you said before airbnb changed the game for a lot of people right? oh yeah. yeah now you can hold an asset and get cash flow through it and not like a long-term rental cash flow where it's a couple hundred bucks a month mm-hmm. you know the airbnb i just brought in uh, i purchased more than three thousand dollars in profits last month right and it was only occupied 65 percent of the time wow yeah so why so, would you why would you do conventional rentals? I mean, you know, I mean, surely you've got a a system in place and you've got a couple of people taking care of it to where you're not like changing out sheets yourself. But why why would Sam, you? Sam, you, you also have to appreciate Matthew's interior design skills. <laughs> this place is immaculate. Yeah, that's that's where I would that's where I would fall down on uh, on the airbnbs because i definitely live like a bachelor you know i got a couch and a coffee table and a tv and uh, that's about it <laughs> well i'll tell you this trying to buy furniture for that place and get it furnished inside of a month wasn't easy <laughs> every furniture place that we went to i had to say what's in stock when it was finally they said it was in stock it could be next week it got pushed back a month and a half yeah. right yeah. everything else was out 12 months to a year so there's still a lot of a lot of demand out there and you know the supply chain issues are for real there's a huge amount of demand. I, I think that's got a lot to do with the amount of money circulating as well. Um, everybody's got, or everybody had uh, a little bit extra. Everybody's making a little bit more money, so that and they're not going out as much. Um, you know, I don't know if the restaurant industry's come back um, where where you guys are at, but out here it's still struggling because people are like, you know what. I, I made it for, for a year and a half without going out to eat. And, you know, I kind of like, it's like me. I, I cook all my shit at the house now. And I don't mind going out to eat, but I feel like I get such better food when I'm at home, uh, thanks to YouTube. Um, but it, it, I don't we're know. Creatures of, we're creatures of habit. And, and, and the government got humans accustomed to a certain conduct for two years. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a while for the restaurants to lure us back. And they'll have to lure us back with these experiential type restaurants yes it's no longer sufficient to have sushi you need sushi with like flamethrowers in the back Ah. (laughs) but like you know people people are blaming millennials for applebee's going out of business and all them shutting down but how about you blame applebee's for making crap food like nobody (laughs) ever thought about that you know guys i I live in florida you know i I was on a comedy show a couple weeks ago and the, the comedian gets up there and he goes you know florida Everybody hates you, motherfuckers, because it's like the pandemic never happened. But it's the truth, right? We just yeah. went on with our lives. Whereas Luigi's in New York, and it, it was locked down. You couldn't move. At least you're in Texas, right? You had some your freedom mm. out there. Yeah. We, well, for the most part, Luigi yeah. was a communist state. I, I tell you what. While we're on this subject, they wanted to uh, they wanted to do another uh, closure last uh, two two New Years ago now. So. Um, over Christmas, the cases spiked, and they went to they, they went to close all the businesses down for New Year's. They wanted to close all the bars, the restaurants, and everything. And me and one other bar owner, um, I had a business owners networking group. It had about eight hundred business owners in the time. We went to the commissioner's court, and we we stood up in front of them. And we presented this is what it's going to do to the businesses. This is what it's done so far. This is why we think we should stay open. And damn straight, 
if they didn't take me back in the judges' chambers for about an hour, and then later that day they made the announcement they were going to keep the bars open. And that's just me and one other guy making a difference in a community. So at some point, you, I, I'm very, very nervous that they're going to start bringing lockdowns back again. Um, if you see just yesterday, Philadelphia. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. China's totally locked down. Um, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think the majority of this country is going to stand for it again. No, I, I don't either. And what I want to let everybody know is that, like two guys went to commissioner's court and presented a logical argument and the commissioner's court listened. So if I can do that in my city, then y'all can do it in your cities too. Just um, the, these... The, I don't think that the politicians are quite as evil uh, on a local level, maybe, as they're painted in the media. I think they want the right things, and I think they want they, they care very much for their communities. I just don't think they've got all the information that they need to have. Um, you know, it's really, in, in my point of view, it's the local level politicians that have the <laughs> biggest impacts. Yes, right? yes, no, no doubt. The higher level politics, you know, it, it's a game. Let's look at what's going on right now. I mean, we're, we're two years after this pandemic started and you still have people waiting for stimulus checks mm -hmm. for their business. Yep. Yep. Insane. You know, we started helping a lot of clients. We've, we've gotten $60 million back for small businesses with the employee retention tax credit program. It's mm -hmm. a great program. Here's the problem with it, okay? It takes six to eight months from the time you file to get your money because the IRS don't have its act together. Right. Unlike PPP and EIDL, they're not loans. This is a program where you don't have to pay the money back. Let's face it. The banks made money on PPP. It was all over the news, right? The SBA is making money on EIDL, even though it's a great rate, goes out 30 years, it's three and a half percent. They have marketing departments. They marketed mm -hmm. for all these programs. Now, this ERTC program, less than 20% of the business owners in this country know it even exists because the IRS don't have a marketing department. However, we have clients getting substantial amounts of money back, but they're having to wait. So let's say they file today, chances are they're not gonna get a check till December. Now, oh, wow. then, then it's gonna be April. We're gonna be three years. So if this was a stimulus program, right? Mm -hmm. We're three years out. These businesses are lucky if they're still open. Yeah, they're gone. It, we I we lost our asses in uh, in 2020. Um, all told, uh, probably about 200 grand. Um, which to me was at the time that was that was it. That was like damn, we we're, we're fucked. And if it wasn't for PPP, um, I would have lost significantly more. <laughs> you know, so it really did. It helped me when it was supposed to help, and it, it kept the lights on. And I don't feel guilty for taking it because I paid far more in payroll taxes over the years and since. Um, but you know, what are some? Because you know, we don't have a terribly long amount of time left on the podcast. But I do want to touch on some of these uh, programs that you guys are intimately involved in that are helping small business owners get capital. Can you give me a rundown of that one that uh, that most business owners don't know about? It's it's called the Employee Retention Tax Program. Mm -hmm. It was passed in the CARES Act, right? And it was expanded inside the American Rescue Plan. Now, when it first came out in the CARES Act, it was either, the guidance said you can either take PPP or ERTC, okay? When they expanded in the American Rescue Plan, what most people didn't realize was they actually changed the language saying, 
If you got PPP, you can still get ERTC. However, you can't double dip. So for example, let's use easy numbers here. If you were able to get back $5 in ERTC tax credits and you got $2 in PPP, mm -hmm. you can't $5 in ERTC, you only be allotted $3, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's an amazing program. You can get up to $33,000 per employee, right? You have to have W-2 employees, which means you had to have people employed on the books during the pandemic. Right. It's essentially a way of the government giving back to you all the payroll taxes that you paid in up to a certain threshold per employee. Man, if, if, I'd, have had, uh, if I'd had a little more skin in the game, a little more revenue in 2000, uh, 2020, I'd probably hit you up on that. But I think we're, uh, we're pretty much, we're, we're through it. I'd, I'd feel bad taking the money now. We've, uh, we've got through to the other side of it. So uh, yeah, but for those of you that, uh, that found that interesting, um, please reach out to Matt and Luigi because I know how many how many millions of dollars have you helped with now? It's 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 a lot, right? Yeah, we're just about sixty million. If you guys want to find out some more information, you can go to www.shieldadvisorygroup.com/slash/ertc. That's Eric Robert Thomas Christopher Shieldadvisorygroup.com/slash/ertc. And of course, we'll throw that in the show notes uh, so you'll be able to go and whatever platform you're listening to this on, go through, click in the show notes and, and run through to their stuff. So um, I'm not going to keep you guys too much longer. There's all kinds of questions I ask about books and mentors and all that stuff. But we've been we've been hanging out for uh, for the better part of an hour already. And I'm um, I, I really don't want to end the interview. I'm <laughs> quite enjoying it. But um, we're going to overtime. <laughs> Let's do it, Luigi. Let's do it. All right. Um, so I'm going to ask you, Luigi. Um, <clears throat> I am a huge proponent of continuing education and consistently learning new things. And I've got a big stack of books both on my desk and my coffee table. What's one standout book that you have read recently that's had day, had an impact on you? Um, can I make that three books, please? Absolutely, yeah. The more I write all these down, I I read the so books I recommended. Think, yeah, I love I it. I think you cannot be considered a small business owner in America until you read all three of Anne Rand's books. Simply because they are the epitome of capitalism. Because the underlying tone of capitalism is a keen moral compass. And what is capitalism, right? Capitalism is the struggle of the individual to seek enlightenment and perfection. And by you building a business, you're improving your community. And oddly enough, Ayn Rand was a, a Soviet immigrant, comes to America, writes these three books in the 50s, and they become the... Encyclopedia Britannica of Capitalism in America. So uh, if you're going to read three books, I recommend the three books by Ayn Rand, that's R-A-N-D, and read them every five years because they're a great refresher hmm. on what it means to not just promote uh, civil rights, civil liberties, but also the consummate perfection of the human spirit. Well, 
I just added those to my reading list, man. That's uh, that's good. I love when guests make recommendations because, um, you know, you get the best, the very best that the author has uh, he puts in his books. That's going to be his life's work. So uh, I love to read books. I love to gain stuff from them. All right, I got one more question. I'm going to field it to you, Matt, since you did so well with the, uh, the website there. Um, for those guys that have enjoyed listening and following along and maybe want to work with you guys or see what it is that you do in a little bit more depth or check out the liquid lunch where can uh, where can we find you online you guys can find us at i'm on facebook a lot so if you want to reach out and ask a question that's usually where i answer mostly everything but instagram and facebook i'm at matthew r Meehan, and luigi is at luigi rosa bianca you can find our podcast on Spotify and iTunes at the Liquid Lunch Project. Again, it's the Liquid Lunch Project. And then if you have any questions business-related, you have any questions related to financing ERTC programs, go to our website and you can get in touch with us there. It's www.shieldadvisorygroup.com. Man, I have loved having you guys on the show today. Um, I, I wish we could make this a two-hour interview because I've, I've got so many more questions. Maybe we'll run it back uh, here in another few months and get you back on, but I've, I've had a real let's blast. Do it, let's do it in a couple of months after Liverpool wins the Premier League. <laughs> Careful saying that because it, be, it might be a couple of months. It might be uh, another 30 years, mate. <laughs> So, yeah, but man, Luigi, the professor, and uh, and Matt, the man, it has been my pleasure having you guys on the show today, and um, it's been wonderful. Guys, if you've enjoyed uh, listening to these two, please go check out their podcast at the, uh, the Liquid Lunch Project. Guys, thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Sam. Appreciate it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this uh, week's episode of The Small Business Surgeon. You'll be good, stay safe, and don't forget to tune in Wednesday when we have an episode of Sam and Kyle See What's Up. And a huge thanks to Matt and Luigi at The Liquid Lunch Project for joining us. Go check out their stuff, and uh, I'll see you guys Wednesday. Take care. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at TXFoundry. Thanks for tuning in.